Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Show. Coming up, Scotland are inches away from sealing a place in Germany. We reminisce on a summer slammed full of stories. Hibs did a Hibs in Andorra and we discuss some of the sexiest new SPFL kits this season. That's right folks, bin your bottles of Madre, tan your tenant super and set your volume to Dick Campbell because we're back for a second season. Hello, I am your host Andrew Slavin, here to bring you once again reliable, informed nonsense around Scottish football with my friends and fellow broadcast industry professionals, journalists, as well as names in the know, if you know, you know? And if you're new here, well you're in for a ride. So let's get this show on the road by introducing you to the new and improved super duper football filmmaker and editor, Finlay Marks. Finlay, how are you, pal? Can you tell us about your well, it's a you're a, you've got a new job. You're the big cheese down under, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is so good to be back. I am absolutely buzzing for the new season. And yeah, I've uh, like like um like quite a lot of people, I've got my business done early in the transfer market and I've <laughs> wow. uh, I've I've started a new job, so I'm stepping away from freelance for a while which is very nice to be doing that and taking up a new role basically as head of creative with melbourne city um who are one of the big teams in the a-league here and yeah but, so that's really exciting so in the job a couple of weeks um which is uh pretty exciting so be looking for a lot of pointers from you laura from your time in club media as <laughs> um, I kind of make that transition to do this job for the first time. So yeah, but oh, it's pretty I have exciting. so much to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Laura, you are joining us again for another season. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> sounds like I'm not happy about it, but I am. I really am. West Ham senior producer. You are the, the queen of club football. So you can tell Finn everything that's been going on. But you've had a mad summer, mate, after picking up a European trophy. <laughs> yeah, I've barely had any time off. Everyone else has been on their holidays and had a break. And um, yeah, West Ham won the Conference League trophy, which um, was, I think, the last time we recorded. I was actually in Prague uh, just a couple of days before the final. And I think ever since then, I haven't really stopped because everyone else enjoys the aftermath and then I get all the work to do in the aftermath. So we went on and um, we had a crazy, obviously the final was crazy itself, brilliant experience. And then we were rushed back to London for the victory bus parade that came the following day. And that was just, that was incredible to be a part of that as well. And then in the kind of days and weeks following, uh, we did a big documentary called Massive and it was the whole story of the journey to the final and then the obviously the final itself an hour and a half documentary so that's the kind of the longest and biggest thing that I've ever worked on as well and really cool just to kind of be a part of it and get all that experience it's, it's a brilliant documentary by the way it's so good that was, <laughs> it really is uh, not, not as not as a West Ham fan but it's it's riveting if, if nobody's watched it it's brilliant um although probably the the piece of content that got picked up the most was something that you got off the cuff wasn't it like so yeah. th- it, most people if you're listening to this you'll be a fan of Scottish football um and if you're not where have you been for the last like forever but um 
the 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 snippet that went viral after the final of Davy Moyes da <laughs> dancing to the proclaimers in the dressing room. That was you that filmed that, right? Yeah, yeah. We were in the dressing room afterwards getting some of the, the kind of celebrations. And when that came on, he put the song on. And when he started dancing to it, I'm thinking, surely he's not going to let me film this. Surely not. And no, he did. He was happy with it. And as I'm watching it unfold, I'm thinking, this is golden. I was like, this has to get out there, has to. So I waited until the right moment to ask permission from the right people. Um, and I was amazed when they said, yeah, he's happy with it going out. I was like, fantastic. <laughs> so I managed to um, get permission to obviously we put it out on our channel as well and put it out at the same time as West Ham put it out on their channels. And I think because of the different, obviously, the different audience, West Ham have got their audience that's maybe not necessarily the same audience that the Scottish Football Podcast gets. Um, the, the numbers just went crazy on it and it felt like everyone was just like not not laughing at him. There was nothing derogatory yeah. or negative. It was mm. just so endearing to see him like a normal person. And we don't see a lot of insight into Davy Moyes. He's not the sort of person who likes a lot of media coverage. He doesn't kind of break character in front of a screen. And that's just that one little snippet you get to see into somebody and it's you feel that connection and you're like yeah because he looks like everyone's dad at a wedding (laughs) he looks really happy normal yeah it's just exactly (laughs) so nice and normal just like every other normal person out there and it's just so nice to see so i'm I'm glad we managed to get that footage out there and he he gave us permission for that because i think it, it, it was really nice touch can't be having that mate you better get your finger out alright and make sure that you get the f-ing results the kick off in the new SPFL season fast approaching guys but as usual Scottish football has thrown up its utter mental stories um, yeah it's lived up to its full potential in this off season so let's um, start with you know a pretty amazing June to be honest with the Scotland national team Laura Steve Clark's done it again he's a very very good manager <laughs> I think I'm still on a high from this. The, the double header in June was incredible. Um, just to recap, obviously we had the the win over Norway. Uh, that was the last kind of five minute drama, which was just insane. Um, don't know where you guys watched it, but we managed to get a really good pub in London. It had a, like brought in a lot of Scottish people. It felt like it was like the proper Scottish contingency of London in this pub mm. uh, people we'd never met before really good to meet <laughs> new people, really good crowds good numbers um, but it was that sort of way of this game's a bit rubbish, the atmosphere's not great and then when the first goal went in it just went into utter chaos and then when the second goal went in it was literally chairs flying everywhere <clears throat> hugging complete strangers everything you want from last minute drama i've still got a scar on my leg from where a chair <laughs> like i don't <laughs> even know if i threw the chair it may have even been me i don't know um but yeah i've still got the scar um, yeah I, I, I am proud of that scar by the way i don't want that to fade <laughs> and then obviously a few days later uh went home to the the georgia game which was just utterly mental in its own way um i don't think i've ever been at a game before where it has been that wet and they've tried so hard to get the game going ahead and had that many pitch inspections it was what 90 Mm. minutes worth of pitch inspections um and i dare say if we hadn't scored right before it then we wouldn't have been fighting to get it on as, as as much um 
the fact that the Georgia players hid in the dressing room, though, um, and were scared of a bit of rain. Oh, that was Come embarrassing, on, man. That was Shite bags. So they are. <laughs> Look, we need to go to Georgia in a few months' time and we need to deal with their 40, 50 degrees. So why can't they come to Glasgow and endure our weather and um, our climate? So, you know, it's just a bit tit for tat. We know. We, we go around these circles. Um, I, I did like the kind of the stories of, like, what was it, Scott McTominay and. Um, Come of the other players, but like Cal McGregor, maybe Andy Robertson were like shouting at the players to get out of the dressing room and be like, "This is a joke. Mm. <laughs> Why are you scared of a bit of rain?" <laughs> so, um, <laughs> fair fair play to everyone. By the way, like the the ground staff and the the ball boys and the stewards that all came on the pitch with their brushes to manually get the water off. I mean, some some of the ball boys didn't even know which way to hold the brushes, and they were literally oh, that was not so funny. A drop of. <laughs> I think there was yeah, also was, was there not was there not literally people coming on with leaf blowers at one point as if that would yeah, make any was, difference whatsoever. Yeah. But you can't well, fault I, the I effort because everybody was trying to jump in and help. Why isn't there a water hoover for pitches that just sucks up <laughs> all the water? You you were texting us, Laura, about uh, the pitch is fine, like pure raging <laughs> on our little groove, and, and we were looking at it obviously on the telly. It's like Laura, it's totally not fine. Like, it's really bad. Like, no, it's absolutely fine. I'm here. It looks totally playable. I was like, Laura, have you played football in a while? But it's fine, Andrew. I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, we're one nil up. I can see Andy Robertson telling the boys that they what he wants them to play. I was like, we're yeah. absolutely fine, guys. He wants to play. We all want to play. And then I was hearing stories of like the game was going to get played at St Mirren Park the following night. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. Firstly, I've got a flight booked tomorrow night back to London. Secondly, oh, how yeah, do you fit yeah. in 52,000 people at a sellout stadium into an 8,000 stadium? How do you navigate who gets tickets? Also, they were talking about, is it going to be during the day? And I'm thinking, you can't have a game during the middle of the working day. And I was yeah. panicking over all that going, it is absolutely fine. It's just a bit of water. And, <laughs> and the it. fact that it was almost, it was almost, potentially going to be played at St Mirren Park the following night wasn't it um, it was bonkers kudos to, in fairness and I'm not just saying this so that Viaplay book me for some potential freelance work in the future but <laughs> <laughs> the team up in Scotland I think they filled for 90 minutes which is if yeah. you have any idea of of like television broadcast it, like filling for an extra 50 minutes is hard enough so doing an extra te- uh, 90, Emma Dodds and the team, like, my God. It was fantastic. It, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, the classic only excuse sketch back in the day of um, Dougie Donnelly. And he, <laughs> his character would always be like, now we can go live to Dance Park. No, we can't. Yes, we can. No, we can't. Like that, it, but it felt like that for an hour and a half. Like it was, it, they, did a, they did a brilliant job. It's a nightmare yeah. when you've got to fill, fill that air like that. And the thing was as well, like what it actually sets up is incredible. When you actually look at it, this is our best ever start to a qualifying campaign. 12 points out of 12. Mm -hmm. We're absolutely unbeatable right now. It's some crazy stat like we've went, what was it, 650 minutes without conceding a goal from open play. It's just immense. Um, The atmosphere feels like it's just amazing right now. The excitement. And then when you then look at what lies ahead... It's even better. So in September, we play Cyprus away. And then because of the uneven number of teams in the group, we have a an empty fixture, which um, we are, other teams in our group will be playing, but we have a friendly. And that's the date that we have the 150th anniversary match against England. England so yeah. 
the way the permutations work, there is a very, it's a small chance, but you know, let's roll with this just now. If we beat Cyprus and on the same night, if Spain beat Georgia, then it means it sets up so the, the second fixture in the September um, doubleheader, the night we play England, is the night that Norway play Georgia. If Norway mm. and Georgia draw in that match, we will qualify that night against England. So without us even playing a qualifier, but in a sold-out Hamden against our biggest rivals, there's a chance that we could qualify for the Euros that evening without us even playing oh, yeah. a game that actually so this is, matters. This is, <clears throat> this is early September, the 12th of September, this is. Yeah. So by the 12th of September, yeah. we could already be qualified. That will yeah. get us the best opportunity to get the cheapest hotels <laughs> accommodation in Germany. Ah, oh, magic, man. Honestly, Clarkie and the boys are absolutely nailing this. What I also found funny was, so um, I, I know you guys know I've, um, I do this uh, part of the TIFO group for Scotland games, mm-hmm. and we're trying to currently raise money for a TIFO display for the England game. So on the Twitter page, we put out stuff, and um, we're putting out the link, and we're saying there's a chance we could qualify that night against England without, obviously, the Twitter characters allowing me to give the entire permutations of how this could happen. Mm-hmm. What happened was England fans started to spot it and quote tweet <laughs> the, the post saying, oh, this is cute. Scotland fans think they can qualify for the tournament in a friendly. And they were all jumping on this. And it just meant it got more and more traction. And the Scotland fans were just replying going, yeah, this is cute because you're not quite getting it. <laughs> so it was really nice just to see them then reverse. It's like a few of them were just like, Beep beep beep. Yeah, okay, I'll read even, up on it. It'll be even Sorry. better, even if even if England tan us four 0 and we still qualify, the atmosphere in, inside Hamden is going to be utterly beautiful. That'll be so good. Yeah, but can you imagine beating them and qualifying, and you get like oh, a I double think, whammy? I, could be the best I night ever. I don't think um, the world will be able to handle it. Some sort. I think aliens will invade that day, um, and yeah, it'll be utter chaos. I might not turn up for work for a few days after that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't that kind of in all in all seriousness. Um, it wasn't exactly the perfect summer for for all Scotland fans because Craig Brown guys uh, passing away in the summer was a real sad story. You know, other than Steve Clark, he was the last Scottish manager to take us to a major tournament. He's kind of football's Mister Nice Guy. Nobody has a bad story to say. Um, and it caught me by surprise, I have to say. I, I didn't know or hear that he was unwell. Um, mm. So I, I know you said a few really nice words, Finn, about Craig Brown before. I think just because he was he was so much part of the furniture growing up, I think, when we did. Like, he was the Scotland manager of the 90s. Like, so I'd, I I know you came to a, a little bit later, Laura, in 98, I think, was your first tournament. But, like, Brown was the manager then, Um my first tournament was 94 Scotland didn't qualify but you're 96 the world cup and I, I just he, he he seemed so much of a almost like a kind of father figure to Scottish football I think for so long as well and obviously you know I just had a stint at uh, Aberdeen and Motherwell and things like that but he's just he just seemed to be one of those just one of the genuine good guys of the game mm. and I know like when, um, you know, ex-pros and things like that always in the radio after the slew of managers that followed him that were all disasters, you know, votes and um, 
Burley and Levine and all that kind of thing. He would never throw anyone under the bus because he knew what it, how difficult the job was and and what it took to be an elite level manager. And um, so even when you know Scotland fans were effing and jeffing about a particular qualifying campaign and there were some real stinkers in there with different managers, he would always lend his support to the manager and just be like, you know, I I think they you know they can turn it around. I think we've got things to be positive of, and he was just just a really good guy he also i i i went to high school in largs and um that it's also where the s i'm not sure if it's still there but it was at a time where the sfe kind of like coaching badges were done um so you know people refer to the largs mafia of like um i, I think like saki and Mourinho and vish boas and a whole bunch of other amazing names in, in management all got their coaching badges there Mourinho in particular talks about it but um Craig Brown was 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 a massive fan of of Largs and the, the amount of pubs that they had there. So it, it, I think Brown leading the Scotland coaching teams on a number of occasions to pub crawls through Largs um, is just one of the endearing memories that I've got of him as manager as well. But he was he was in charge for some of the best memories we had as Scotland fans growing up. You know, um, I, the, the the image that always goes through my mind is is when McCoyst scores uh, the goal against Switzerland at Euro 96 at Villa Park. It's an absolute rasper. And he, just, he belts over to the bench and it's just him, it's McCoyst hugging Brown in the bench and all the other players then jumping in and everything. I, I, that's that's like the one image of Craig Brown that stays in my mind. Um, and it's a really nice one to remember him by because he's just, uh, uh, you know, a titan of, of the Scottish game and he'll be very, very sadly missed. Do you know the, the one thing for me, um, I don't know if you guys ever watched it, uh, in, it was the World Cup 98 diary, Craig Brown's diary, and they since, I think it was around the time we qualified for Euro 2020, they, they resurrected it in terms of put it onto, well, I was going to say they made it into DVD, they made it into digital and put it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And this, if you've never seen this, you need to come watch it. It is a behind-the-scenes documentary, basically, from the World Cup in France. And it is all narrated by Craig Brown and they sit with him on the bus and they talk to him in the dressing room like this this is access that in 98 was unheard of it's still unheard of now where managers actually agree to doing this like literally half time in the dressing room there's boys getting changed behind them in their big white Y fronts and everything (laughs) and and he's standing there right in the camera trying to obviously fill the whole screen but he's talking about the fact that it is during a game or, or straight after a match and he's given all these honest opinions and he is taking you the whole journey through the World Cup and for somebody who got into football watching the World Cup that to me was the greatest video of all time and I literally I don't know when if you were like his kids but you know how you would just watch the same video on repeat <laughs> that for yeah. me was that video that I watched on repeat I think I could literally give you every line word for word nowadays <laughs> to exactly every scene there was like players like you could see Christian Daly with his wee twins and stuff like that and there was like little mm-hmm. so much behind the scenes elements to it that for me that to to get that sort of access was incredible and that's down to Craig Brown as a guy and as, as a character to even in those early days of of media and access and everything he was on board with it and he trusted them yeah. and <clears throat> honestly I wish more managers were like that now and what a nice guy what a lovely character anyone anyone who's met Craig Brown and, and I, I wish I had but people that I know who have they all have great stories 
about Craig Brown. One of my favourites was a friend of mine who said he was up in Aberdeen and he was, um, my friend was chatting up this lassie. But Craig Brown, you know, everyone always says as well, you know, if you want to speak to him, he'll give you all the time in the world to chat about anything you want. And all football was obviously always his favourite thing to talk about. And then um, my friend's a big Aberdeen fan. And anyway, he was chatting up this lassie and he was doing very successful. And he went <laughs> up to Craig and said, Craig, I'm, I've... I've done well here. I'm I'm off home. Do you know if you know what I mean? And Craig just leant in and went, "Would you like one of my special pills?" <laughs> <laughs> Always a man to help another one. There you go. So oh, absolutely brilliant. Game. We have had a lot of Scottish uh, competitive action this summer, guys. Um, and I, I'm afraid we're having to go to Dundee United here uh, because they had, a, I mean, okay, they have resurrected themselves slightly, but it's been a pretty difficult start. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just going to crack one open here. I'm just, a- I hope you don't mind. We're recording on a Saturday night here. Sorry to interrupt. I'm just cracking one open because... <laughs> Uh, this isn't an ad or anything. You can't even get this beer in Scotland. But I'm just like, this is, Scottish football is back, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I am buzzing <laughs> to talk about this stuff in the League Cup. Day one, <laughs> the Dundee United coaches have to be pulled away from their supporters. I mean, like, yes, I Incredible. have missed this. So cheers, everyone. This is the Scottish <laughs> football coming back. <laughs> yes, Ben. Oh, I mean, Saturday night in Australia. Yeah, we have to remember. It is. It is. I'm not. I'm not doing. Yeah. I know. It's sunshine it's for for these two. Yeah, it's, it's midday. It's sunny Garvan. Okay, time. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you're still back in London. We're, we've gone international again. What can we say? Um, but yeah, Dundee United. What an absolute horror show. Or or well, you could really say a, a great start for the likes of Spartans. Um, and it was a great win for Partick Thistle as well. But I just is it going to be another long one for for United fans, fan? Um, it, the thing is, like, it's so early in the season, um, and and you always kind of get this stuff in the League Cup where um, you know, just teams start slowly. I, I mean, like St. Johnson look like they they might be struggling to get out of their group, which would be a bit of a shock. I think Cali Thistle haven't haven't really mm-hmm. started well in their group as well. When you would expect them to be near the top, so it always happens. You, you do get these upsets, and like some some teams just come back from from preseason and ready to hit the ground others take a bit of time I think you know it was such a, a, a signal of intent from the Dundee United board to to stick with Goodwin and to make that announcement towards the end of the season that he will be staying that he'll be um, carrying on through through the championship season obviously there the, the fan base will be hoping and potentially expecting to bounce straight back up to get to the to the premiership again but um, I mean this it's the first couple of games of the season there's there's mm. a long long way to go uh but it's just I, I i enjoy that you know even at this early stage some the nihilism of football fans and in particular scottish football fans before even potential league balls kick they're like ah oh, season's gone games are bogey, <laughs> right home home lads we'll just look on to the next season <laughs> The the same could be said about Hibs, really. I mean, one of the latest amount of uh, latest Scot- Scottish teams to kind of embarrass themselves in the early stages of Europe. I mean, so let's say a two one defeat in Andorra. I mean, this was a shock, a real shock. This had 
absolute typical Terrible. early round Scottish football disaster. We've seen this so many times. I mean, looking at like, sitting in the office, having the stream on my laptop next to me, and you're looking at there's like a gazebo in the top corner with that ambulance sitting next to it. You've got a little hill with random people sporadically watching the game. You've got the Hibs fans mm -hmm. about three miles away behind a huge running track. And you're like, right away, it looks amateur. It looks horrendous. It looks very early stages against a team we'd never heard of before. And you're thinking, literally, like 10 minutes into the game and they're 1-0 down. And you think, here we go, mm. all over again. It's... Motherwell against Sligo Rovers, it's Celtic against Red Imps. It's, I mean, how many times do we have to list these disaster scores? And it's just, here we are back again. Um, <laughs> look, I'm very much hoping that when they get back to Easter Roads next week in front of a full crowd, it's going to be a whole different ball game and they'll recover the tie. I think it will. But yeah. it still comes down to the fact that this still happens <laughs> year in, year out. And I don't know, like, is an element of this the fact that there's there's not a lot of warm up time for them? They don't get the same the same kind of I know the, I know the league cup's competitive, obviously, but they don't get the league cup to try and like kind of get their fitness match sharpness back up and perfect mm -hmm. like any new kind of tactics and styles they want to play embed players in. Friendlies never are the same. You don't get the same from friendlies as you do from competitive matches, and the fact that this is the first competitive match for them, it's not easy. But it's just it's too easy to then always blame the environment and the 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 temperature and the altitude and everything, which I know comes into it. But we need to be better than mm -hmm. that, and we shouldn't have to be like, oh well, it was warm, it was stuffy, we were struggling to breathe. It's like, well, hold on a minute. There's ways around that. Go out days earlier and adapt to it if you have to. And it's just why why does it always happen? I, I don't know if it's a bit of a vicious circle as well, because, you know, you, you're saying about it always happens. It's so early in the season. They're barely back from pre-season. They might not have had a proper pre-season by the time they go into these competitive fixtures in European qualifying. But it's a bit of a vicious circle because, you know, the, I, the, the, to start later, the teams have to be better to and have, you know, slightly higher coefficient as a team as well as a country. That helps too. Um in order to not have to start as early. But then the only way to do that is is by beating these teams in the early <laughs> yeah. rounds and getting the coefficient points that you do build up and, and it kind of aggregates season on season. But yeah, you're right. It, it, it's the odd result every now and again is going to happen. Like you're going to get shock results. Uh, and it's not to say that they can't be overturned because, you know, it's um, Celtic when they lost in Gibraltar, obviously they didn't lose the tie like it, it it didn't matter in the end it was inconsequential but mm -hmm. it, it happens too frequently for it to be just flashes in the pan there, there's something more systemic here and it requires i think you know it's a much wider conversation uh of us to look at how, how we how we plan for these things it's also not the end of the world is it no, because I think it's 2-1 and then you can take it back to yeah. Easter Road. It's fine, but it's just... they got the late goal. They're, these they're results happen it. a lot. Yeah. I did really enjoy the fans at full time letting the, their frustrations run wild because there's no country Amazing. in the world that says fucking boo like <laughs> Scottish fans. <laughs> Fuck off! 
Everyone else would just say, boo, boo, that was shite, or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But no, we go that one step further. We go, fucking boo. That was fucking shite. <laughs> but there you go. That's I absolutely love that. But it's fine. The thing is, like, Hibs, Hibs have done a lot of their business early. Like, so getting early, you and... Um, permanently now as, as well. Getting the likes it's of Dylan Levitt is a really good signing. They just yep. need someone else to kind of add the goals that they're going to miss from the likes of Kevin Nisbet, um, who's went to Millwall, when I think he'll do excellent down there. But that's it's goals that they're going to miss. They've changed their captain as well. It's gone back to Paul Hanlon and Craig Marshall had an absolute stinker for that second goal. Um, I, I, it's not all doom and gloom for Hibs, so it's going to be. Although I, I, I hope Lee Johnson does stay in the job this season because I do enjoy his post-match interviews. They're so weird and wonderful. I just try and <laughs> unpick them, and I can never find what it is he's talking about. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Another story coming out of uh, the summer, guys, was um, Viaplay are, are obviously exiting. Kind of, they, they had a huge expansion across Europe and, and into America a little bit. Um, Swedish broadcasters, <coughs> hopefully my future employers. Who knows? Probably not. Um, uh, <laughs> they're going to obviously they've sponsored the uh, Viaplay League Cup as well. Um, but they're going to be leaving Scotland as well as everywhere else and go back to their kind of um, Nordic territories. It's that as well as the kind of this SPFL apologising to Rangers is, um, with this whole cinch story. It's, these sponsorships and these relationships that the SPFL are having, um, is there a leadership issue? Are we not? Um, do we not have enough of... I don't know what I'm trying to say here is kind of are we taking risks by going to companies that maybe aren't as established as like a BT Sport or or a Sky Sports, etc.? Are we taking too many risks? Is our leadership taking too many risks? Or is our leadership bad? <laughs> I, 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 it's 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 a difficult way to look at it because in terms of risks, I don't I think they're really risk averse, which is the reason that they want to keep the status quo going as much as possible. They're not very open to change and being progressive and is there a better way that we can be doing this? It's just like this is the way we've always done it, so we'll just keep doing it. Um when there's far more money to be made and all of these kind of things. But um it I mean it's not like we've got precedent for entrusting our coverage to a broadcaster that is trying to expand probably more quickly than it could uh, or should. Um, Satanta comes to mind. And was there not also a broadcaster, I can't remember the name, that was covering La Liga for a while, a couple Eleven of years Sports. back? That, that was it, 11 Sports. And um, they the, promise the earth, but they don't have the wherewithal to actually act on what they say they're going to deliver mm -hmm. and then very quickly have to cut back on that um I, I, and then you've also got like the, the 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 element of the argument which is that it's i think vastly unfair on, on the actual fans to have yet another subscription that you have to do in order to tune in to watch your team play a handful of cup matches mm -hmm. uh, during a season or whatever so yeah i i mean the cinch deal it's still another absolute embarrassment for for the SPFL and and for Doncaster as well. So this is just for people that that haven't been aware. This has been rumbling on for about two years now. When the cinch deal came in, Rangers had brought to the table that it it conflicted with a, a sponsorship that they already had, and this is something that's that's not unique. This is something that's been going on for decades. It happens all the time in all leagues around the world. 
every season, which is when you've got a conflict of interest from sponsors and club sponsors, um, sorry, league sponsors and club sponsors, uh, you you raise it and, and those two companies tend to hammer out a deal or whatever. So a good example would be like Rangers were sponsored by McEwen's Lager in the 90s. Tenants ran the Scottish Cup uh, or you had the Bells uh, SFL uh, in there. Those uh, conflicts of interest would be raised and then a deal would be worked out. It's usually a financial compensation between one of the sponsors to be like, yeah, that's fine. You can use your thing and we'll do this. Um, Rangers raised this as an issue and rather than dealing with it, the SPFL were just like, oh, I don't care. We're just going to go with it anyway, which contradicted their own article. And <laughs> I think this baffled everybody, including the, the SPFL's own lawyers who were just like, I don't know what you're doing here. If you go to court, it's going to get thrown out, which it duly has. And now Rangers have received a six-figure compensation fee covering the legal fees and everything else, which I think is going to be distributed between a couple of different charities and charitable trusts and things like that. They've had to issue an, an apology. There's there's the promise of an inquiry um, that's going to happen as well, as well as the, the settlement fee. It's ended up costing the SPFL hundreds of thousands of pounds. People are saying, how can Doncaster survive this? He he probably will, because until such time that the clubs themselves feel like he should be moved on, I don't think he's going to take himself out of what is a pretty cushy job. It just feels like who kind of polices the police? Like, how does, if your leader, like, if the, the top boss is responsible for bad decisions or anything like that, like... Who actually punishes him? Who makes these decisions? How does he get away with it? It's how do you improve that when there's no one above him saying that's unacceptable? Because the clubs aren't all going to come together and and chuck him out. Well, that the the answer to that is you know the reason that Doncaster has stayed in his position for as long as he has has to be that the clubs are happy for him to stay in that role and that the board members are happy with the decisions and are comfortable with the direction that the game is going in. You know, a lot of fans and a lot of people who who talk about Doncaster don't seem to be happy. But at the end of the day, his job is to keep the clubs and the board members happy. So if it kind of alludes back to what them, Finn was saying. Ultimately, they must be turning around and they might be like, well, he's done this, this, this and this. There may be loads of things that he's doing in the background that might yeah. be right, but I, I, it's easy enough for us who aren't involved um, in what's going on higher up to because to, we look at it from face value and it doesn't look great, um, but there's there must be a reason that he's still there. That's all I can think. And I hope that reason is that they are is a lot of good work he does that we do, that goes unnoticed to Me the too. average fan. <laughs> but I am worried it is the actual reason is because clubs don't have that sort of um, fight power and motivation to get the best of the best in. They just like to stick with status quo because it's safe. And they've got somebody there and it's just like, yep, yeah, let's just stick with it because it, it works. I think the other thing is as well with... With Doncaster being in the job, he's been there for about a decade. Mm. That's a long time to have the one person at the head of an organization. Just purely in terms of refreshing 
the operation or the way that things work, does it not make sense to change the chief executive or something over the course of a decade? You know, this is it's not like some sort of um, dictatorial state where it's like somebody's clinging to power for decades and decades and decades. I mean, it kind of looks like that a bit from the outside. But I'm just, I, I, I think the time is is ripe for a change in leadership at the top of our game. Just when you look at all of these things, when you look at Viaplay and the Cinchgate or whatever you want to call that with, with, with Rangers, when you look at the TV deal and the fact that half of our cups don't have sponsors, the leagues haven't had sponsors and all this kind of thing, it just, like, what is the guy doing? Like, the, the, our, our game is brilliant. We know this. The game is brilliant and it has so much to offer. And yet... Almost at every turn, it seems to shoot itself in the foot at a governance level because for whatever reason, you know, the people that are at these, are at the clubs within the SPFL are happy with the job that Doncaster's doing. But from almost every metric we see, he's not doing a good job and not doing what he's really there to do, which is elevate the product of Scottish football and to get us the best deal in, in as many fields as possible. Big men are up from the back. El Mahani right foot. Whips it. Oh, jeezy peeps, man. Speaking of uh, head honchos, Celtic have got a new one in the dugout. Or an old one. Brendan Rodgers is back at Celtic. Um, but is he still invincible? I don't know. I don't know, guys. What do you think? Do you think this is a an appointment that Celtic fans have kind of swallowed up some of their kind of anger that they may have had when he left for Leicester midway through to the eighth title in a row? Do you think they're happy with the appointment? Or do you think that if things aren't all rosy halfway through the season, um, people will be baying for blood? <laughs> when, uh, when really, really angry. I think this is, this, is, this is a strange one. Um, really strange one because when it happened, the outcry and anger was off the charts because he left you mean when he left season yeah Yeah, so he left midway through the season they were obviously going for nine in a row that that was the the eighth season the eight eight in a row season um and the 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 anger was purely because the fans felt like well could you not at least have waited to the end of the season why leave us The, the the title's not wrapped up right now um it's just not it's not good form to leave a club at that stage of a season um for, and for Leicester. for that's what i was going to say it was it's not yeah. that much of a glamour move when you compare the two teams um yes it gets them to the premier league but it's not as big a club as celtic so um yeah there was a lot of anger now when it four years later even the rumors when we started hearing that he was in line to possibly come back you're thinking surely not Mm. that's just they're not going to touch that surely that's far too controversial um but lo and behold it it happened it it came through what i find is you've got probably three sets of fans here you've got the the quiet ones that don't say a lot online and are very sensible um probably a bit like my dad who is just like yep keeps himself to himself and goes well he's a good manager i'm quite happy he did the job then he'll do the job now fine and then you get the, the noisy ones, and that is the Green Brigades, for example, who are actively 
saying we don't want this we weren't happy then we're not happy now and they're not supporting him and that gets a lot of backlash from other fans as well because they're like well you just have to back him now because he's, he's there tough tough <laughs> um and then you get the middle ground which i think is the majority where they were angry at the time they did voice their anger and their concerns when he did leave and they've all just sort of swallowed their humble pie at this point and went well do you know what we were angry then we just need to kind of um, just deal with it and get on with it and go, well, let's let's see what he does and if he can kind of bring us all back together again. I suppose that 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 that, that swallowing of humble pie, as you say, it's probably because the 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 direction of travel towards ten in a row is over. So it is more about Celtic just cementing their dominance again over Scottish football once more. And it makes sense, really. Brendan Rodgers is an excellent coach. He still won the FA Cup for Leicester. Um, that is a huge feat. Um, and he's still only, since Leicester getting relegated, was the only time they didn't finish in the top six as well. So he's he's not been a failure in England. So coming back to Scotland, to Celtic, um, it, it does beg the question, really, is... Will Celtic just continue um, their dominance at, at the SPFL, or will there be more of a challenge this season? Is it is it a diffi- more of a difficult task this time around, given that Celtic were treble winners last season? I think Rangers will be far better placed for challenging Celtic this season than they have been the last two years. We talked about it so many times last season, and um, and the evidence so far suggests that it has been followed through that there was a massive rebuild job to do uh, at Rangers and and it's still ongoing um, with another couple of weeks of the transfer window still to go they're still chasing a number of players I think that's really got to be the question it's not who's going to win the title out of Rangers or Celtic it's more have Rangers got enough to challenge Celtic's dominance this season Um, because Celtic are by far and away the biggest the richest the uh, best run club in the country um, and I think Rangers post the title winning season of, of two, two, three years ago now is um, I think they there was a bit of hunger that left the squad mm-hmm. and I think there was a bit of stagnation there um, and that's evident from I think a lot a lot of the players that started matches under Gerard in 2018 were still starting matches in 2023, you know. So um, there's been a big rebuild job. It looks kind of interesting on paper, but as always, the proof is in the pudding. Um, I, I think in terms of the league title this season, it'll be an awful lot closer. It'll be down to the old firm games and there'll be a handful of points and potentially even just goal difference in it, I think. Mm. I'm a wee bit sceptical of what Michael Beale's going to do long term this season um, in terms of competing with Brendan Rodgers. I just feel like, I feel like Rodgers has inherited such a strong squad and he is a good coach and a good manager that he is just going to, like, the ball is still rolling and there's not Mm -hmm. going to be much change there for him. He's He's not coming into a struggling side and having to rebuild. I feel like he's just going to, continue where Postacoglu left off and continue that success. So I, I can see Celtic still being the dominant team. Maybe not treble winners. I don't maybe maybe 
not the the whole shebang. But in terms yeah. of league, I I can't see Celtic not winning it this season. What about what about some quick predictions then for the Premiership in terms of finishing third? Do we think Aberdeen will will finish third again, or will be there be stiffer competition from Hearts? Do we think Hibs are going to be there or thereabouts, uh, or even what about St Mirren? Um, considering they finished in the top six for the first time in what was it? Um, certainly since the Premiership, yeah. Premiership um, has been twelve teams or whatever, so <clears throat> I think it'll be interesting. Who, who I don't think will come, I don't, I'm not so sure if Dundee United will come straight back up. That's for sure. Um, but what about third and fourth? Yeah, just as yeah, we'll get, touch on the championship afterwards. Um, in terms of third and fourth, Hearts because of the way it's set up right now, where we we're not Stephen Stephen Smith's the manager. Is he the manager? Is he not the manager? Um, with him Technical coming in, manager. being in charge, yeah. <laughs> with him being in charge um, this season, with Hibs, you never know what you're getting with Lee Johnson. Um, like <laughs> you don't know what he's saying. <laughs> they started they started off so badly last season, ended quite strongly. Um, I don't think he's got them being potential third place finishers. Aberdeen seemed like the obvious one for me. Um, Barry Robson just did so well when he came in at the latter end of last mm. season it was a sort of a kind of no nonsense get the job done we're clinical and we know what we're trying to do and we're we're doing it i can't mm. really see right now who's going to take that third place away from aberdeen you're mm. going to get the likes of i think st Mirren will compete again this season um it was a wee bit more of a shock last year for to see them up in the top six for so long for the majority of the campaign I think we'll see them up around there again this year. Ross County, I think, could be strong this season as well. I don't think they will be scrapping around the relegation zone just as much as they did last year. Is that a hunch? Is that a hunch more than a, any particular reason? I feel like it's maybe the way that they they bounce back so emphatically from the, the playoff final that mm-hmm. I feel like that's a sort of momentum that they can carry on into the next year. I think keeping Danda will be the big one for them. That could be what makes a difference, maybe, over the course of the mm-hmm. season. But I just don't see them being the the go-to relegation team this year. I think you're looking at likes of St. Johnson are far more going to be the, the kind of go-to team when you talk about them. There, there are other teams to go to, I think, before Ross County. Interesting. And Dundee as well, uh, back in the Premiership. Finn, I know your granddad is a big fan. <laughs> You'll be hoping they get a good start. Some interesting signings from them, though. Have you seen the, the two Mexicans, Pineda and, um, is it Patillo? Or, um, I don't know, I quite forgot the second name right. Uh, centre-half and a centre-forward. But I know Pineda got off the mark uh, the other night in the Via Play League Cup. Yeah, I, I think Dundee will be up against it. You tend to find the teams that come up because there has to be a bit of a a sea change in the squad that's been assembled to try and get out the championship and a squad that's capable of competing in in the premiership you do tend to have quite a big turnaround and there's been quite a few big faces that have left Dundee this -hmm. summer as well that have been mainstays of of the team for the last couple of years but I think it will mostly go kind of the way that it did last season the the only changes I would envisage uh, and uh, slightly different to I think to 
to what Laura was saying with with Ross County. I I don't think Ross County will be um, much better set up. I I don't know if they'll be bottom, but I think they'll be in. They'll definitely be in the bottom half of the division. Mm-hmm. I would see Motherwell as as being the team that would be along with St Mirren pushing to break into the top six again and and trying to break tight. I I agree with Laura though about Aberdeen. Um, I think if Robson keeps going the way that he finished last season, the I I, I think the signing the permanent signing of Leighton Clarkson is an absolutely amazing bit of business by mm-hmm. Aberdeen. Um, also, the fact that they've so far held on to Duke um, and the, through the summer as well and Miofsky, um I, 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 yeah, I, I fancy Aberdeen to be by some distance the third best team in the country this yeah. season. Yeah, Shinny coming back permanently too was was important. But I, I think it will go mostly to, to to type in a lot of what we saw last season. I, I also agree with Laura. I think St. Johnson uh, fans could be in for another mm. pretty torrid season. <laughs> Championship. Who are the runners and riders here, guys? What are you thinking? For me, it's Partick Thistle. I, I just. I don't see Dundee United coming. To, I don't think it's an obvious one. It's not a right hands down. That's it. United mm-hmm. are going to scoosh it. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think Party Thistle ended the season so strongly. They've started and even in the League Cup. They've started strongly this season. Obviously, they had that massive setback and not and just missing out on promotion. Um, and I think if it does not affect them mentally and they do pick up where they left off, which they look to have done so far, I think then they are the main competitors. They are the ones to challenge this year for the title. <laughs> There's something about Chris Doolan, I have to say. There's something about him. I think he's got something that's really special. And Jim Goodwin, I think he's, his rise is really petered off and it's whether or not he can really galvanise that that group of players. Um, and it's going to be a harder job when you, you get relegated. It's so much harder to create a positive vibe around the place. Finn, who do you think we might be looking at? Uh, I, I, as ever, I, I, I kind of envisage the championship being Batshit. absolute billboard again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just because hopefully there's so much of it. There's so much of it that you can't predict. Um, I, I think Airdrie coming up via the playoff um, when they were kind of unfancied and up against it will be really interesting as well. Um, Dunfermline squished League One last season, and uh, you know we had James McPake on the show. Uh, towards the end of last season, he was just a terrific guest. Um, and I, I, there's something, I, I think there's something quite special about him as a manager. So I'll be really excited to see how Dunfermline fare mm-hmm. in the league this season. Uh, Queen's Park, again, have um, have done some quite interesting business over the summer. Uh, the new manager coming in is, is quite interesting. They've also signed Barry Hepburn on loan for the season from Bayern Munich who's just signed a contract extension there. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be, yeah, I, I think it'll be another incredible season of championship. My, my, my tip would be between one of the three of Dundee United, Partick Thistle and Queen's Park vying for the title. Um, and But I think, again, if they can capitalise on the form towards the end of last season, although the playoff was a massive blow, I think Thistle for me would be the team that should finish top of the pile, but you never know when the championship. Mm-hmm. Got no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I really just, I really hope it's harder. as tight as last year. I think the harder you go down the divisions, it just gets even 
like more difficult to to try and predict the things. But one thing we certainly know about Scottish League One is that Queen of the South are going to win that title. It's <laughs> <laughs> going to be a no brainer. I think I said this last year, and I got it wildly wrong. But under Marvin Bartley, I think things are very very different. Very very strict guy, I'm told. And he's got his generals. Oh. He's, Queens have just signed F, um, F. A. Ambrose. Remember oh, him? Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Yes, of course. Yep, <laughs> yep. absolute, absolute legend. Of Scottish football. I think. I think he'll retire when he's played at every level of Scottish football. That's that's his future. Um, but yeah, no, I'm quite excited for Queens this season. I have to say, I think it'll be tough though. The likes of <clears throat> Falkirk, I think, are ready to to move up. And another story out of League One as well is that. Um, Edinburgh or Edinburgh City again. They're not FC Edinburgh. They're Edinburgh City <laughs> yeah. again. But we we, yeah. we don't have time to go in, in depth with that, do we? We're absolutely rattling through this. Um League Two, does anyone reckon what's going to happen in there? Or do we think it's just going to be a wild one? A wild, wild west in there? I th- I think at the top end of the table it'll be the same teams that have been making inroads over the last couple of years. Dumbarton started incredibly last season I think that's right yeah after after like nine or ten games they were I think they were only like the only undefeated team in the whole of the UK or something like that I can't remember <laughs> what the exact stat was but yeah they started um they started like a freight train last year and really slowed towards the end of it and got utterly pumped in the playoffs by the end lost the league title to Sterling Albion so um I, it'll be interesting to see how they go I think Clyde as well oh, of course yeah. Clyde, I think I think they? they'll yeah, I, I, they're a team that I would expect to be up towards the top end of the table as well. Mm. Um, I just, I, I, I always love seeing the new teams come in from from the playoffs uh, outside the league system as well. So it'd be great if all of Spartans this season. You've got Bonnie Rigrose in there, um, who managed to stay up last season as well in their first season in the league. So yeah, um, I, I, again, it's difficult to call, but um, I, my money would be on one of the two of Clyde and Barton yeah. going up from the from League Two. And and who knows who at the end of this 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 incoming season, um, if Broader Rangers maybe maybe they'll do well uh, <laughs> in the Highland League because the have you seen the how they're signing players recently? <laughs> one, there's one signing that is amazing on Twitter. They said Broder are delighted to announce that Ross Hardy is signed for the club. The ex Ross County youth joins after a good preseason with the club. Welcome to Broder Rangers, Ross. And you look at the picture, and Ross has the biggest, blackest eye. And it just looks like the coach has smacked him, saying, "Sign the contract, boy. Sign it now." <laughs> so he's been forced. Maybe, maybe that's the signing policy most clubs should adopt. I don't know. Maybe it's the way it just works in the Highlands. <laughs> it's, I was going to say, it's a different way of life in the Highlands. And who are we to judge the way that they get their players to sign their contracts? So good. Regret it's not, it's good laugh on it. So. I didn't find it funny. Well, anyway, the, the one thing that we know about uh, Scottish football is that um, sexy new kits... There's always a bunch of new kits that grab our eyes, but um, we we kicked off last season uh, by looking at all the new kits and what's been going over on sale in the summer. So it's fair to say we should um, we should do it again. And Laura and Finn caught up with Craig McFarlane from the Football Kit Memories podcast. Enjoy this one. Craig, thanks for joining us again. This is great. I love I love this subject. So what Finn has done is put together he's put together a lovely 
uh, keynote spreadsheet style presentation <laughs> of all the kits that we want to talk about. So Finn, do us the honours, let us see them and let's talk through the weird and wonderful kits we're going to be seeing this season, please. Righty ho! Exciting times. The 23-24 <laughs> Scottish football kits, the good, the bad and the absolutely fucking hideous. Because let's face <laughs> it, we've got a smorgasbord of good and dreadful stuff to make our way through. <laughs> let's start with Aberdeen. Now, what are our feelings on this, Craig? Have you got any detail for us on either of these kits? Okay, so look, as far as I'm aware, I think there is, is it a centenary, the home shirt? And I think the gold is a nod to previous colours before they use red. I think they were black and gold stripes, so that's where the gold comes from. Um, and then, obviously, it's the Northern Lights referenced to the away shirt. So the the home shirt is it's Adidas. It's red with like a kind of like gold trim just for anybody who's listening to this rather than watching. Um, it's pretty basic, but quite smart. Like what are our thoughts on this? Uh, for me, it's, it's all about the away kit. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the gold because it, with when you complement gold with red, it's um, quite kind of vanilla kind of shade. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it's not quite punchy white to me. Um, not a huge fan of that, but when it comes to the away, this is gorgeous. I love this. Um, I cool, love the kind it? of thoughts behind <laughs> it. I love the kind of sentiment of they've gone for this Northern Lights approach. It is this sort of pink and black and the sort of greeny, the glow that you get from the Northern Lights up in Aberdeen. And they've just got this streaking across the front of the kit. Absolutely delicious. Huge fan. Massive tick in the away box for me. So I think consensus is we're, we're kind of big fans of this, especially the way shirt. Maybe moving on to a club that's not had as good run out, but still staying with Adidas. <laughs> Let's oh move dear. on to the, the current champion Celtic. Um, yeah, Craig, Craig, can you talk us through this? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's just a mess, isn't it? They, I, I think what's happened here, so I think all three shirts are bad for individual reasons, like yeah. for the, you know, the away shirt and the third shirt. They're both very garish designs. The the away the the away shirt itself, all black. I think it's just quite a boring design, considering what we've got from Adidas the last couple of years has been really high quality. What yeah. I do think, and I've you may have seen the kind of leaks on Twitter and stuff. Adidas is supposed to be releasing some kind of special edition centenary. I'm not sure what it is shirt that is very much kind of plain green and white hoops. So my mm -hmm. thoughts are that the designers have gone a bit crazy with these on the basis that they're going to release something more classic for the fans later. But at the moment, that's mm -hmm. just a rumor. So who knows? See this home top. Can we just break it down? Okay. Mm. This, I feel like every time you look at this at a different angle, you find something more horrific than the last time you looked at it. <laughs> I, there's no redeeming features to this top. The, no. the, black, the fact they've gone so that the, the hoops themselves have a pattern in them. Now, they claim it is an ode to the stained glass that used to be outside the front of Celtic Park, which is now inside the main doorway. That is what they claim it is. I think everyone online, the consensus is it's a snakeskin style pattern yeah. in the hoops. Well, I'd heard um, it as a tribute to uh, Brendan Rogers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the, the hoops alone are a disaster to start with. The black Adidas stripes, I just, I don't get it. I, I, why would you take away the classic white look, the white works? I don't get why you'd go for such a garish black against that shade of green. You yeah. could maybe have got away with the collar and the, the sleeves 
rim being black maybe but it, i just don't think it works and it, the more kind of closer you look at the detail the worse it gets i think the kind of hoop is broken under the arm as well you yeah. can't see the yeah. photo that finn's put up but it's just yeah. it's an utter car crash of a strip moving on down the the spfl the boys are back in time from dundee um i mean we're not going to go in massive detail through every single team i think it's a fairly it, it's nice it's decent it's just kind of like a very it's, it's a navy um dark navy shirt with gold detailing a tartan trim i think what we really need to talk about is the away kit here um particularly mm-hmm. for something that went viral on scottish football twitter around the um some of the detailing that's on the inside of the away kit collar for those that haven't seen it basically it's got phonetically spelled on the inside in gold detailing of the away kit d till a de which is supposed to be dundee till i die uh but in the the phonetic parlance of the dundee accent which is detail a day um <laughs> which when, when you say it like that it just kind of sounds like um the dundee version of i'm blue dabba dee dabba da <laughs> i quite like the fact they've got this in the back of their strip um this saying because it's something that's just it's a bit personal to them it's tapping right into the fans the dialect why not I don't really see why you wouldn't do that. Why it kind of got a wee bit of stick from everyone. Moving on now to the capital, how are we feeling about bevy.com on the front of Hibs Jumper? <laughs> oh, I love these, both of them. I think they're excellent. I think they're brilliant. I really like the use of the QR code as well on the Bevy sponsor as well on the home show. I just think it's really cool, <laughs> really innovative. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't noticed that. So it is yeah. incorporated into their logo. Yeah, in, inside the, the wavy bit, yeah, when you get a like a, a zoom in on it. I actually thought Bevy was across both shirts. I hadn't seen it with Utilita, but yeah, it's really yeah, cool. What, why have they got different sponsors in? What's the deal there? That's quite unusual. No, I don't know. I don't know. I have to look into that. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. I think they've gone quite, it, it feels quite classical, and I think they've done it quite nicely. It's obviously a nod to slightly older kits. Um, I, 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 I'm with Craig on this one. I think both kits are pretty smart, especially the away kit's great. There's something about Hibs in a purple away kit that just feels right as well. Yeah, I just I, I yeah, love whenever Hibs go for the for the for the dark purple. I think it suits them a lot. Mm. Killy feels like much of a muchness. It's the third in the goalkeeper tops that we need to have a chat about. You know that way when you get on like uh, the, the the bus late at night. And you're like, what pattern is that on the bus seat? That's what the Kelly third yeah. top looks like this year. I, I kind of expect it to come pre-stained with chewing gum stuck to it, like a bus seat. <laughs> the goalkeeper mm. top, though, I love this. Um, this is sort of um, not quite tie-dye, di- di- um, but it's like um, almost like the... In fact, you know what it is? It's like, more like a pattern of like oil. So if you put maybe a little bit of colour dye into oil, um, the pattern looks mm-hmm. like that. If it was kind of in liquid, I'm a big fan of the goalie top. Lovely I stuff. I think it's minging. I think it's dreadful. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> now, Craig, um, I'd be interested to get your take because you're, you know, your 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 team Celtic. Um, but what what are your thoughts on the Rangers kits for this season? 
I think it's really tough to swallow these because these are all really, really nice. And we've got three awful shirts, as we've discussed. <laughs> I think these are all absolutely fantastic. The, the one thing I will say is that the jewelry's still out on Castor in terms of the quality, I believe. Never had any of their shirts, but I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about them ripping and not washing very well. But design-wise, I think they've got it right for all three of these. And I think that third shirt is unbelievable. I love it. For me, they get better progressively as it goes from left to right here. So the home kit, decent, it's fine, it's blue. Not a massive fan of the red colour. The away kit, I really like, but this third kit, I think, again, to go back to the 90s, this is a direct rip-off, basically, of the 93-94 away kit, which mm -hmm. is hugely popular among the fan base. It just mm -hmm. looked cool because it was so different at the time when that came out. Rangers had never had an away kit like that. It was always just an inversion of the home kit, so the white top or whatever. Um, so yeah. it was something completely different. And also, there's something about the centralised logo that yes. I really like yes. on the kit. I don't know why, yeah. but it just seems to work. But I think it's really smart, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that one in action this season. Yeah, the first two from you, absolutely fine, home and away. The third kit, I've seen people compare it to the B&M logo. Uh, being <laughs> I've also seen people compare it to the guards that stand outside the Vatican. Yep, Swiss guards. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's quite garish. Um, I, again, I think this is one I need to see on the pitch to make my mind up completely. Um, moving on to the final club in the, the Premiership, oh. though, I think St Mirren have got both of these bang on, by the way. Yeah, Interested absolutely. to hear your takes. Absolutely. Like both of them bang on um if i was going to be like really really particular about it the the pattern in the black i'm not huge on um, like but it's pattern. such I think a classic it's classic it's everything's right about it it's just classic submitting and the way top hot pink and black together is just yes please lionel messi into miami isn't it oh i was thinking more scotland 2017 <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Ve very much two sides of the same coin here guys i mean like <laughs> but speaking of a, a a nice hot pink top let's move on to some highlights from the championship we're not going to go through every team but starting at air united laura just talk yeah. us through the air united kits for this season because i think these are potentially up there for the two best like combined home and away kits in the whole spfl the home one is um, interesting. The body itself has this pattern, a black and white pattern that almost looks like a tyre has run over it, over not just one <laughs> tyre mark, but in several little spots. Kind of like what I was saying earlier, but the highlighter, um, the stamp running out of ink, kind of like a tyre, if it ran over a few times, but ra was running out of its ink. Um, home top, <laughs> not so much of a fan. A way top, though, is absolutely beautiful. Again, anything that's hot pink and black on a strip is a winner for me. The one that we have to mention, though, is the third kit for Dunfermline. Oh, my goodness, what is going on here? Um, can you yeah. talk us through this one, Craig? <laughs> Um, I mean, where to begin? Yeah, it's, it feels like I'm in a bad nightclub. I'm having a bad trip, this one. It's, it's not good, is it? It's um, You don't want to stare at it too long. It'll give you a headache, all that kind of stuff. They always say on TV not to wear like certain patterns because it plays <laughs> up the cameras. I'm just wondering if they ever showed them firmly on TV what's actually going to happen because that is not going to clash well with cameras. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not really that bothered no. about it either way. I don't really have a strong opinion on this one, but I'm quite interested to see how a camera copes with it. I just think it feels like it's the the really bad homemade design of like one of those local radio stations in some part yeah. of America. 
It's like you're you're listening to KLM ninety five, the best tracks on the road. I'm just like, no, I, that, I'm not, mate. That looks dreadful. What was it? Andrew described it as the bottom of a frying pan. Yes, which I think is fair. It's like Very yeah, somebody's accurate. left a hot frying pan on a blue top, yeah. um, and it's not, it's not, it's not went well. Uh, Partick Thistle. I mean. Uh, it's, it's it, at least they've done something. This is going to divide opinion. I'm, <laughs> I'm torn. I'm torn. I've got to be honest. <laughs> what is going on here? Come on, Craig. Tell me you hate it. <laughs> I don't like these at all. I think actually O'Neill's have done a really good job the last few seasons of the stuff, you know, like retro aways, nice home shirts, but I think they've even messed up the home shirt on this one. Oh. It's they're all, they're all bad, aren't they? They're all bad. No. Finn, Finn, where do you stand on this one? <laughs> I don't have any problems with the home top. I think I think it's cool, and they've mixed up the design a little bit. I think it's quite smart. The away top is uh, uh, just a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. And uh, the, the two goalie tops, I'm uh, not a fan. So it's it's one out of four for me here for Partick Thistle. Oh, so the away top is pale pink and pale grey in hoops with grey shorts mm. and grey socks. I love this. Um, at, uh, do you know when I first saw it when they played Dundee United on TV last week I was a bit like Ugh, don't know, don't know and the further the game went on the more and more I was like yeah I absolutely love that and I got to the end I was like I, I, I just I, I wish I was a Thistle fan now so I could just wear their top because I really really like that top and then I saw the goalie strip and I'm like oh my god that is amazing as well the, the two for me the two, the goalie, the home goalie and away outfield strips are absolute winners for me no, no. Swiftly <laughs> moving on. One one thing we need to one thing we do need to talk about here because there's a bit of a backstory to it. Wraith Rovers. So the away top to me seems quite plain. So it's it's yellow with like a sky blue trim. But the story behind it. Did you were you guys aware of the reason that they've gone for a yellow away kit this season? No, I saw no, like, there was like some tweet that made us all kind of go what. Well, that's not a headline I was expecting. <laughs> what, what exactly was it, Finn? It was, so the thing was, it was one of those tweets where you read it and you're like, oh, it's an anniversary kick commemorating 100 years since. Since what? <laughs> the, the sto- so the story behind it, we need to get a, a, a Wraith fan on at some point to talk us through the, the whole story behind this. But apparently the yellow kit that Wraith have got as their away kit this season is to commemorate 100 years since the team were shipwrecked on their way to play a pre-season tournament in the Canary <laughs> Islands. I was like, what is going on here? How come we've never heard of this? So, astonishing backstory. Fairly mediocre kit, I've got to say, but um, mm. I just... I, I've never heard <laughs> of an anniversary kit about a, a disaster that's happened to a whole first team. Yeah, love it. Also, don't know tenuous how links earlier. Yeah, do you know I also I mean? don't know how we've missed this as well as part of Scottish football history. This needs an exhibit now in the Scottish Football Museum at Hamden, doesn't it? We all clearly don't know enough about it. So, yes, if I need to do something about this one, I really wanted to pick out the Falkirk home top because um, the 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 detailing on the sleeves is is a throwback to the Beezer Homes kit that they had in the early 90s which again just massive mm-hmm. fan of but i also love mentioning it because i still think they've got the best sponsor shirt sponsor of any club in Scotland and i'm delighted to see crunchycarrots.co.uk making a comeback again this season 
That's good. We're grateful for their support of Scottish football, aren't we? <laughs> I've not picked out much from, from League Two because they, they're they all fine. They're all much of a muchness. The one I wanted to pick out, though, and it's a nice one to be ending on because I am such a big fan of this, the Dumbarton home top for this season. Oh, Craig, what are your thoughts on this one? It's a beauty, isn't it? It reminds me of that classic Luton Town one from the 70s with a vertical stripe. And they've actually gone yes. with that this year, their Premier League season as well, which is quite nice. nice. But I think Macron have done an amazing job here, as they did last season as well. It's beautiful. I think there's something yeah, in it I'm that, right, but... that makes me feel like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I just think it's so smart. It, I think it's because of the shape of the, the, the Dumbarton badge. It, mm. it, it looks... Uh, there's something Brazilian looking about this cat. I can't describe it any other way. I've got no grinding okay? for this, but to me, it looks like a 1970s like Santos kit. Basically, it looks like Pelly would wear this Dumbarton home top. Wow! And I, yeah. I think any kit that makes you think that is a good top in my book. <laughs> <laughs> You think I'm going to answer a stupid question like that? Nice one, guys. That was a lovely wee segment. Very, very nice. I think we've also got an unabridged version of that coming up on YouTube um, as well. Listeners, yes, we have more video content coming your way because we've joined the likes of Facebook. That's been around for a while. But TikTok, that's new. I feel old. Um, But yeah, we'll be on YouTube. We're on Twitter, obviously. We've got Instagram. We're everywhere where you can see our lovely faces talk about Scottish football. But if you wanted to test your knowledge against us a little bit, um, there's the Fantasy Football Scotland we've also become part of. Um, So you can join our little league and we can have a laugh and a joke. And I guess we'll talk about it from time to time and see who's got the best team. Obviously, me. We'll see. (laughs) Have you guys picked your team yet? Not yet. No, that's the I'm trying to leave it to like... the last possible minute to yeah. get all the best players in. <laughs> Too early then. That's the latest tip, guys. Wait till minus match day minus one. That's what you're looking for. We're done. That's it. The first pod of the new season. Season two is off its mark. Happy days. Thank you, Finn. Pleasure. Thank you, Laura. As always. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. It's time Thank to go you, and listen to something else now. There we go. Bye now. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs>